This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I think that will suit me for this episode. (laughs) Uh, With me, as always, is someone who doesn't really care too much, but to her dismay, she has absorbed through uh, mitosis. So Osmosis. Much. Oh, yeah, through halitosis. <laughs> mitosis, yes. My cells have divided, and now I care a little bit more about the rock hall. It's Kristen Studdard. Hello, Kristen. Hello. Hi. Special episode. I know. I can't believe it. Very special episode. We have a uh, former MTV and VH1 executive with us, but most importantly for this podcast, a current member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominating committee and someone who also helps to produce the induction ceremony, Rick Krim. Hi. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the intro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and talking to us. Current NOMCOM member. Mm-hmm. Is this the first? This is our second. Second. Seymour is technically. Oh, yeah, he's on that. And that's, a, that's a high yeah. bar there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Seymour Stein has uh, not only, he's on the committee, but he has been he's a, a huge founder. part. He's a legend. Right, you know? yeah. Still is. Is he in? He's in, yeah, right? He, he yeah, has been he inducted was in... himself. Uh, well, Rick, let's get into... I'm not getting in, I don't think. You know, I mean... <laughs> He's Landau he's got in this year, so maybe yeah. all the NomCom members will eventually get <laughs> well, in. He had something else on his resume that I think helped with that as well. Yeah, yeah. maybe. And it's that guy that yeah, does pretty some, well. Some sort of boss. Well, Rick, let's uh, just to kind of start off, let's talk about your background. Before you got involved with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just kind of how you got started in the music industry and kind of what you are known for. I got started, I got started at MTV back in the early, early days of MTV. I got started because... Uh, I was a kid who grew up in central Pennsylvania, um, always wanted to get in the music business, had no idea how to get in the music business, mm-hmm. and um, but I was also good with numbers, so I became a, I went to college as an accounting major, and I went to college, speaking of John Landau, I went to the college I went to, Bucknell University, which is about 30 minutes from where mm-hmm. I grew up. I, I went there because I saw Bruce Springsteen there when I was 15 on the Born to Run tour, Okay, it kind of changed my life. And you were like, oh, you're so like, I'm going to go to college there. You're yeah, like, maybe. I'm going to do that guy's taxes. <laughs> so I, uh, I didn't, you know, the famous Landau line, I've seen the future rock and roll and his name is Bruce Springsteen. Well, mm-hmm. I've seen my future and it's, I got to be in, I got to do something in music. music. It really was a life changing experience for me. But I didn't know anybody. I got a job at Price Waterhouse in Philadelphia out of college <laughs> as a first year staff auditor, which is about as low as you could possibly get on the totem pole. My 
my last job at Pricewaterhouse was literally counting nuts and bolts at a manufacturing plant in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Incredible. Glamorous life. So glamour. Um, But I went to my best friend's wedding in May of 1982, ran into a woman from my hometown who I hadn't seen in years, who wasn't even invited to the wedding, but crashed. And said she, she was working as cool this. Very cool, and uh, I like her. <laughs> uh, she was working at MTV as to the assistant to the head of music, uh, the head of programming. And I, I believe the in conversation like went into MTV, like the very beginning. nine months, in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about nine months into MTV. And I was living in South Jersey. We had we had it on our. We were one of the few systems that actually had MTV. Because uh-huh. um, when MTV launched, most of America didn't have it. But I was obsessed with it, like anybody else was. And I, I'm sure I said something along the lines of how do I like how do I get a job there how do I get in there and she's like well I think my boss is looking for a budget guy um, or something to that effect Um, so she got me she got me an interview thank you Joan Myers and I went up for the interview with Les Garland the legendary uh, one of the first execs there and head of programming a legend all show business was in his was oozing out of his skin he was that kind of guy and I think the interview went something like Bud Myers thinks you're cool. Let's do this. Hey, that's a nice interview. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I told my parents I was quitting the prestigious Firmer Price Waterhouse. And their dreams of seeing me on the carrying the suitcase on the Oscars uh-huh. were shot. Yeah, you hate to see that when it, when your child tells you that that <laughs> dream is over. And it said I'm going to go work at this new video music channel in New York City. And they were like, "What?" Uh, is? Yeah. Um, so I started there. I actually started at MTV on the. The day after the first birthday of MTV, okay. August second, nineteen eighty-two, as business manager MTV, as as a, a twenty-two years old, and the time there's a hundred people who worked there, so I was able to stick my nose in, you know, all the business there. When artists came up, set music mm-hmm. meetings, anything, they let me, they let the finance guy because I was fun and, and I was wide-eyed and young. And young. Um, so after badgering them for a couple years and. Uh, finally they let me shed my suit and they moved me into like a music talent area uh, about three about 1985 where I was in charge of they had all the people there were their roles were to uh, the people in the music talent area split the record companies between them you were the liaison between labels I was the indie label guy oh before before indie labels were indie labels before that was like a big term indie labels were basically like you can't get signed anywhere else so we Mm -hmm. better go to an indie label so the first two videos actually got played on MTV were The Smithereens, Blood and Roses. And They Might Be Giants, Put Your Hand Inside the Puppet Head. Oh, I had wow. a feeling it was going to be They Might Be Giants. So those are my two that uh, I made my mark on and then ultimately moved up through the ranks there, stayed there till. Um, 1994 so I went through the hairband era which was a lot of fun I went through the grunge Grunge, era which was a lot of fun and right about the time where the real world was starting to hit and after I had 12 years of kind of non-stop action I needed a little breather um, and saw the music wasn't going to become it it wasn't going to be it was no longer 24 music it wasn't a 24-hour video channel by that point because there was game shows and other things Mm but you know it was changing which which happens and then ended up going to work at a music publishing company, which I knew nothing about music publishing, thought it was sheet music. Um, <laughs> but I always wanted to get involved in the A&R side and sign, sign bands. So I got mm-hmm. I worked there for six years and ironically replaced, I took that job replacing John Sykes, who was at MTV, mm-hmm. who is the is new, now the current the, yeah. chair. It all, t- it all ties back yeah. in. He's the current chair of the Rock Hall. John is the guy who moved me out of the accounting area into the music talent area. 
I then replaced him at EMI Music Publishing when he went to go, left there to go become president of VH1. And then six years later, he brought me back to VH1 to be head of music in 2001, where I was to 2014. And now I've come full circle. And now I'm kind of working for him again. Yeah, (laughs) look at that. Um, So yeah, I stayed at VH1 for 13 years. I was head of music at a channel that was very much like the old MTV. And then reached a time in 2014 when I'm head of music at a channel that's not really playing any music. So I'm not sure this has a much more long-term benefit. So uh, I made a move, took a slight detour to record company, which I'd never done to check. I wanted to check that box and box checked. I like to call my internship, but uh, on the label Mm -hmm. side and then got uh, my boss at EMI Publishing, Marty Bandier, who's one of the kings of music publishing. He was now running Sony ATV Music Publishing, and he brought me back there, which actually moved me from New York to L.A., something I swore mm-hmm. I'd never do, but right. very happy I did. <laughs> when did you move here then? That was just a couple uh, years ago? 2015. I thought I'd be a lifetime New Yorker. Never had any interest in moving out here. Now I have no interest in moving back. You're like, oh, right? son well, is really nice. is yeah. all that, honestly. <laughs> um, and then stayed there till Marty left. Marty left about a year ago, Sony, and I looked at that as my opportunity to kind Kind of do something I never had the balls to do, which was kind of do my own thing and take mm-hmm. advantage of all the relationships and all the years and the biz and pretty diverse resume and try to do my own thing. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. Great. That's why I can come out here uh, yeah, on like, your own time. Exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you've, you've put in the time in the music industry, having dealt with musicians and bands, and that I assume was what makes you qualified to be a part of the nominating committee. I'm at, yeah. I mean, the nice thing about MTV and VH1 was we were we always viewed ourselves as Switzerland in a way because no, you know, we didn't have anti with very few exceptions. We didn't have adversarial relationships with anybody. Yeah. Um, we were there to help, you know, record mm-hmm. companies fight with their artists and some uh-huh. managers fight with their art. You know, there's always those kind of strains on the relationship. We were just there to see what we could do to help people. Um, right. and we broke a lot of both channels. We, you know, broke a lot of artists and labels loved us and we developed great relationships with artists and managers. So, mm-hmm. U- utilizing those now and happily uh, most of them remember. So you would have been at MTV when the Rock Hall started? Yes. Is, is that something you have any memories of? Um, just I went to some of the, I mean I got to go to some of the early shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones in the, uh, the Waldorf? Waldorf? Yeah. Okay. Which was you know as a, as a fan and a music geek yeah. it was uh, obviously great and the Waldorf has a completely different I mean there's good and bad about the fact that it's now in a big venue mm-hmm. you and know, it's produced and it's produced for television, for television yeah. although we were conscious of making it a great event for the people that are there as mm-hmm. well right but um yeah it was it was just different i mean the early days there was no tv so it was just loose and mm-hmm. kind of know, a mess but in a yeah but in, ex- exactly and you felt really um you know you felt really privileged to be in this bunch of guys in tuxes and packed into tables as tightly as you could be packed in in this mm-hmm. room with these icons that you've grown up with Right. You know, standing in front of you, which was for me pretty amazing. I mean, there's, I'm sure, not artists that I never got to see before that I would never have seen if it hadn't been for going. So I just was, you know, I was happy that the companies I worked at would buy tables. Yeah, we'll get, <laughs> yeah. You, we'll get you a seat. Um, yeah, we're trying to get our company to buy us a table. Yeah, we'll see how that works. Yeah. We have to get a company first. Yeah, we're working on that too. <laughs> well, I know people, I could, I could, yeah. I could point you in the direction when you're, oh, perfect. Uh, when you're ready. And then at VH1, there was a period there where VH1 actually aired the show. So right. that's where yeah. I, that's where I really got more involved with the production itself. Okay. Um, so that would that that would have predated your involvement in the nominee. Co- correct. Correct. Because okay. I think that I'm trying to remember the nominee committee. From what I understand, you joined you could the probably tell me in 2010. <laughs> he can tell you 2010 or maybe 2009. Okay, 
Um, might have been 2009 for the 2010 ceremony. Yes, yes, that would have been it because the 2009 nom- the nominating meetings happen in the fall and the ceremony happens right. the following spring. So mm-hmm. it would have been for the 2009 nominating meeting. But it, I, and I don't recall the years that VH1 had the show. VH1 I think had had lost the show by then. Joe, yes, do you I think know so. The it was like late because it went to Fuse for a minute. It was at Fuse around then 2010, right. 2011, and then 2012 was the first HBO. <laughs> Well, I got when VH1 had it, I would be involved in the whole process of helping to put the show together with the production team. And then when VH1 lost it, I did that George Costanza thing where he got he just decided to keep coming to work even uh-huh. though he uh, <laughs> he didn't have a job. I just stayed. I just kept working on it and didn't really bother telling anybody. I just stayed on yeah. it even when I went to other networks. Were you a voter at that point, like part of the larger voting body? Because that you know, is somewhat of a typical I, path of being a voter first. And I, then I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was. I don't yeah. remember exactly when I became a voter, but probably what, when we started working on the show. Because obviously there's exponentially more voters than there are members of the right. nominating mm-hmm. committee. Do you think it was your involvement with the production of the live show that then got you into the nominating committee? Um, not necessarily. I just, I lobbied for it. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. You wanted bit? to be on the nomcom. Series. Yeah. Oh, also we call it the nomcom. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a little insider term. Yeah, we call it the nomcom. Yeah, it's just something that I had a lot of passion for, mm-hmm. and um, okay, did you lobby with like Joel Parisman or John Landau or? Um, I lobbied. Just anyone you, know, you could. I, I, I lobbied with people. He had had years working those relationships and the networking. <laughs> I felt I, I felt there was value I could add to the nominating committee. I felt there was maybe some genres of music that were not being fully represented that I was personally passionate about. And what thought, are the What's your genre of choice, or your, uh, what did you feel was underrepresented? Prog rock. Oh, sure. Oh, you'll interrupt me. I have no guilty pleasures because I feel guilty about nothing. Yes. You know, and I'm I'm a card carrying member, and they all know it. When did Rush get in? When was 2013? 2013. Uh, So he's he gets on, and we start seeing results. (laughs) We start seeing results. I mean, if I may, the the first year that you were on the nominating committee, Genesis got in. And there's another note. Boy, I wonder if that's a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, first time the the dominoes begin to fall. (laughs) So there was that, but also. The hard rock and specifically metal, you know, I felt was underrepresented. Metal particular. Yeah, and I, by the way, I still feel I still feel that year. way because if you want to, I mean, a lot of people blur the lines between what's metal and what's hard rock. But if you really want to talk metal, there's two bands in Metallica and Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And there's other very worthy artists that are not in yet that mm-hmm. hopefully we'll, we'll get in. Yeah, we've had some passionate metal advocates on the show. Very recently, because uh, we covered the ballot this year, artist by artist. Right. And we would bring in fans and advocates for each artist. And, <laughs> and it mean, was a very hard rock heavy ballot this year. It was. It was. Um, yeah, w- would you uh, would you point to any of the artists on this year's ballot that you were particularly excited about or were advocating for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You want me to tell you? Yeah, I, mean, we'd I think I can. You know, I, yeah, we'd be. We've yeah. had people say who they like. You know, have lobbied for. In yeah, I, I've been a big supporter of Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. Feel like there's uh, had supported them in the past and supported them again. Yeah, it feels like if there's going to be the next heavy metal inductee. Yeah, there, well, there's always this Priest Maiden, both of which yeah. are extremely deserving. Maiden hasn't made the ballot yet, but mm-hmm. you know the, the the bands as far as all the criteria that people look at, I think Judas Priest checks all those boxes. Mm-hmm. So. Great to get him on the ballot again. I wish they had uh, made the cut, but yeah, hopefully, you... I think some people are surprised and saddened that they haven't. Just have to keep trying. I mean, some of these things. How t- many take times a while. have they been nominated? This is the this second is... twice. Okay, yeah. and when not, was not the first time? Two. Yeah, two two years ago. Listen, I've I went through it in a different way. With like, yes, was another one that I was a champion of, mm-hmm. and but it took. 
you may know more than I do how many times they're on the ballot, but it yeah. actually took at least three, three or four yeah. times. And, you know, just you can't give up. You can't say, oh, they didn't get in. Like, I'm going to move on to something else. Right. Because you don't really know what is keeping them out if it's particular competition on that ballot yeah. or if it's you never know. something in the air, honestly, in just kind of the zeitgeist that can, you see that I'm happen just saying, plenty of times. make a documentary about them and then there you go. That's the... <laughs> well, listen, getting some, it's amazing to me. There's, certain, there's a bunch of acts too over the years that never made the ballot and then they get on the ballot and they zoom right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? we call that an FYN. An FYN. First, year, First nominee year nominated. Gets in. Yeah, that's... Listen, the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, this yeah. year they're FYN. You know, this is mm-hmm. their first nomination. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've, I, I had, you know, I had supported them in the past because I felt they were. I've always felt they were really deserving. And again, I, I kind of had it, the instinct that if they get on the ballot, they're going to do really well. Same thing oh, yeah. happened with Chicago. Same thing happened with ELO. Same thing happened with Steve Miller. Yeah, you know, those sort of more mainstream kind of act staples. Yeah, but that hadn't been on trip. the ballot. You know, yeah, another one that they all cheap got. Cheap Trick was FYN. Mm-hmm. I heard yeah. about that. That year in particular was very heavy because it was Cheap Trick Chicago, Steve Miller, all first time on the ballot, all got in immediately. Which is interesting because we often talk about how, like this year, there were so many hard rock acts nominated. And so that might have like split the vote in a way. Like everyone couldn't just rally behind Judas Priest or behind Motor- Motorhead or whatever. People were kind of splitting. Uh, I mean, there's just ways to look at it. I've heard that argument I've used that argument yeah I think it's on, the, true. on the other case if you're a hard rock fan you could just vote for all of them too yeah right but as a, when you're voting you know as you know people vote for five right mm-hmm. five artists so the act a that gets a lot of votes and the act other acts four acts that you're kind of in the hunt for are all getting those votes as well mm-hmm. there's no movement you have to do better than the others so if you're just voting for one it's different when you're voting for five yeah it's nice it's when a, there's just one lane you know that if a hard rock act gets in it's going to be the one that's on the ballot or right. you know the more I don't know if we have any proof it's well, a, and that's it's what a theory I, mean about that I don't know if there's any classic, it feels the, like classic cheap, rock is the one uh, genre that's the exception that it to doesn't that apply to that it's the, like the more mainstream radio classic yeah. radio yeah. classic rock radio friendly that have the recognition well, I think they're they're more mass appeal mm-hmm. I think most of the people in the committee probably grew up with them and all those acts we just talked about have tons of songs that people love and yeah. you know I think and the, also kind of the the stereotype of what we think of as quote unquote rock and roll is we're thinking often of like rock, classic yeah. rock radio yeah. and I think that so people are like yeah rock and roll man these bands well, that I think makes with the sense. Doobie Brothers the reaction this year that I got a lot was well, I can't believe they're not already in yeah yeah because you would think based my on mom their peers, said that we were waiting for their 50th anniversary <laughs> tour I mean it was it was all time this was strategy yeah. for <laughs> 25 years ago, we said, we're, you know, they're going to do you a know, big tour in 50 years, 50 years in with like McDonald. Yeah. Let's wait till then. Let's put it on the back Perfect. burner till we then. need them to be in their <laughs> 70s. <laughs> but they're, listen, I'm excited they're in and they're very excited to be in. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it seems like a, a nice thing for them. And it, it's it, it's also funny. A lot of bands. I don't know if they are one specifically, but it's just it's funny to me. Every band that isn't in believes there's a conspiracy theory around them not getting in, and then they all eventually get in anyway. Right, and there is none. Wait, of course, that's the one thing I could tell you that there is no conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theories about not getting in. Like it is truly every classic rock band where it. Oh yeah, Bon Jovi had one. Bon Jovi was like a huge one where it's like, well, we're not one of Jan Wenner's boys, so. And they even took stuff out of the museum. They were, <laughs> they were pissed off. But by the way, nobody embraced it more when John got in. Nobody, exactly. you know, to you his credit, man, he, which was great. Like he, it, like so embraced the moment and brought people out. Like he really made it special, mm-hmm. which is I what we would love everybody be, to do. Uh, Trent Reznor this year. 
Trent has Hom- a, a recent boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's started uh, doing music in Cleveland, uh, <clears throat> and also he is a uh, he's a convert. He's a recent convert yeah. from last year. Yeah, yeah. Because as we know, he he was someone who was like, I don't give a shit. Who cares? We find that a lot of people have that attitude, but even the UK acts, especially because oh, the, yeah. the, the rock hall isn't as pre- prevalent and predominant over in the UK as it is here. But yeah, I think last year. I mean, there was five. There was no American men that got in last year. Yeah, it was was five British bands, women's female solo acts, right? And five British bands. bands. (laughs) And I, actually, the table where I was last year's show, we were next to the table that had Trent and um, And Ed and Ed and Phil from Radiohead. And I am a huge Radiohead fan, and obviously, we would have loved the whole band to have been there. You know, the year before, they were a little dismissive of it. Well, they already, um, I mean, they already had a, a date they booked, booked. They booked booked a South American tour. Brazil yeah. or whatever, this year, yeah. this year, just the vibe was more respectful, but still not sure they quite Skeptical, got it. Yeah. But I was sat. Those guys stayed the whole show. I could kind of see. I was watching them watching the show, mm-hmm. and you could tell that they got it when they got that, up on stage and gave their speech. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they didn't know. They didn't know really what it was all about. To yeah. you, they actually got there. I mean, I've had some, you know, other artists say, well, you know, we don't do award shows. Well, it's not. This, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. It's actually a lot it's, different. It's not the VMAs. Yeah. You know, no disrespect. <laughs> um, are, you, are you involved at all with trying to get the artists to come out? Like if there's resistance? Um, we all are. Mm-hmm. You know, you anybody you that can. has anybody that has a relationship. I mm-hmm. mean, there has. Listen, every year it's different. There's mm-hmm. certainly cases. There's, there's famous cases where artists didn't come to their own inductions mm-hmm. of course you know i think that for the most part i think with this year certainly we're expecting all the all the living inductees to be there which isn't many it's three <laughs> three of six yeah. three of six <laughs> part of it is even if you don't believe it like the fans want you to, you know the, the, that's part of the pitch is you know the fans it's really want fans. you there like this is it's, something that's the for, line to yeah yeah to their whether heart. they decide to perform or not we obviously prefer people to perform mm-hmm. you know we've had artists that haven't performed that came and then regretted it afterwards because I again I think it's more just they didn't really realize what it was I think you know that was Joe's favorite part of last year's ceremony was Radiohead realizing that it was a big deal (laughs) Uh, he may have shed a tear uh, when it happened but like that because that's his whole pitch for the rock hall in general is like you don't realize what it means like right yeah if you know anything about it 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 goes against I think the general idea the general perception. Right. You know, it is a... And we're trying to, you know, we're doing everything we can to try to change that. Yeah, good. So this year's ceremony is going to be potentially a little different, right? Well, it's different in the sense it's live. Right. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, um, So never it's happened. taking a four-plus-hour show, turning it into a, hopefully, a three-hour show. Yeah. How are um, you going to do that? Everybody's got to talk real fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> Play real fast. Well, we have, I actually have a question about last year's ceremony. Something that we had noticed was that it seemed like the speeches were shorter and that the bands got to play longer or like if you well, if last year spoke yeah i mean last year with the exception of the zombies one person really spoke for yeah. each other you know brian ferry spoke for roxy music robert smith spoke mm-hmm. for the cure all, joe elliott spoke, joe elliott spoke for so def leppard which and is the rest different were solo than acts. the past yeah you know that's something there was a conscious effort to try to make that work now and you know in some cases there isn't in all three of those cases, particularly with the Cure and I think Roxy Music. It was obvious, like those were the Def Leppard is definitely more of a band. You know, these guys have been together. Yeah, these are like the, mm-hmm. for Brothers. a long time. Yeah. But that was that was their decision. You know, mm-hmm. they have a certain a lot of a lot of amount of time, and I think you know they made the decision to have 
one person speak and use that time then try to divvy it up and the other guys you know it's it's all case by case the other guys were okay with not speaking mm-hmm. um they usually leave joe to be the guy you know mm-hmm. joe's the front man and the spokesperson so but there's going to be there, there's certainly other cases where i mean the zombies are an example where you have, where everybody uh, wanted you know, to rod argent and colin blundstone they've both been in the band since 1964 and still active mm-hmm. so i think they each wanted their their opportunity to speak so it varies i think in the you know the same thing with the live show you know they'll be they'll have a a window of time that they have that we hope they will adhere to but mm-hmm. you know it's it's live so you never know yeah. what's going to happen well we kind of had the a working theory was that you know bands could choose whether or not like how to use their allotted time mm-hmm. versus if they wanted to play for longer and speak for shorter or is there like you know everybody gets a half an hour everybody gets 20 minutes or whatever I mean, it, it all varies and every year is different i mean yeah. it depends how many inductees there are and you what can't... you're gonna what's the ratio between like a full band or a single person or a lot a living or deceased so every year is is different i mean it's just the the fact that it's live this year it's just, it's exciting yeah yeah you know it's a it's a little i wouldn't say daunting is the word i'm i'm kind of glad we're trying uh, it's gonna... to freshen it try some new things yeah are you going to try to produce it like a typical live award show like the grammys or the oscars or something i don't know i don't think it necessarily listen it isn't a typical award show like the oscars right, or the yeah. grammys or something Good. so i'm glad you said i that. think <laughs> we should try to keep it what what I love about that show is how unique it is and mm-hmm. how special it is, and it doesn't isn't we don't it's on award show. Thank God, you know. And I to the to the point of some of these acts who say we don't do award shows. Well, that's fine. This is not an award show. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a celebration, right? You know, and a recognition of a long career of impacting the world with your amazing music. Yeah, I, I mean, I've described it before as a award show where every award is a lifetime a achievement, life- award. right? Which is a much better sounding award, yeah, you know? or you know, much more exciting, edgy Kennedy Center honors, you know, or something <laughs> mm-hmm. that you know those things that it's not just somebody in there decided, hey, we should give this guy an award to get him to our show. Yeah, you right. Know, exactly. This is something that is definitely earned and meaningful. Yeah, it's also interesting because you can cut so much when you're doing it, like in post. You can cut so if someone yeah. goes over, if well aware, someone I mean, makes yeah. a bunch of off color <laughs> comments. Well, we like that. You know, yeah, <laughs> it is HBO, so you yeah. can get away with mm-hmm. uh, some things. But yeah, listen, we're going to have to be depending on people to uh, not be boring. Oh, not not so not be boring, <laughs> but you know, under we'll be very clear about what the what the guidelines are and the time constraints and we'll hope for the best you just you know part of the beauty of live tv is you never know what's going to happen we'll be uh we'll be prepared okay we have a production team who knows how to do this stuff really 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 well so Mm -hmm. i'm glad that you said that the core of the show will remain like that you won't try to turn it into something else which i think is good because there's a lot of value to i think what the induction ceremonies do Given that it's a live event that will have to be seamless, is the idea of like a host to cover up those seams or transitions something you guys are considering? I don't know if that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Joe would like a, to throw his hat in the ring. I think that's available. I've cleared my schedule. I think there's other ways mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, they've done the hostless Oscars and stuff, you they know. Just did. And yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I think you can do it without. I mean, one. the show's never had a host, as far as no, I can remember. Yeah, just I, that woman's voice. Yeah, right. The, the voice of God. Yeah, <laughs> she's. I love her voice. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's. That was a rumor I had heard that a, that maybe a host was a potential option. I would advocate. You probably don't need it. There's plenty of things you can do to fill to fill those 
the transitions and other uh, yeah. things. Yeah. And, I mean, the packages, the little documentary things. Yep. Those are, to me, one of the uh, most fun parts about the uh, ceremony. No, absolutely. And so and well every time well I see one, I, I could not give a shit about a band. And then I watch one and I'm like, wow, they really have they really done so much. Like, they, it, it convinces so me every have, single time. <laughs> it really, I have. It's very sad for me. <laughs> Um, well, why don't we take a little bit of a break, uh, and then we come back, we'll get more into the nitty-gritty of Rick Crim's involvement <laughs> with the inductions. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you... Uh, clarified what uh, what is really secret. <laughs> yeah, what is secret, what is not secret. Okay, so yeah, I let's get into the kind of nitty gritty of the ceremonies, and we can. Uh, I know there are things that you can't discuss about possible ceremonies coming up, but we can talk about it in the lens of ceremonies past. What is your title actually on the this? show? Yeah, yeah, like at the end of in the is credits. It, what roles? What what's above your name? Supervising producer. No, it's not. Producer. It's more of a consulting, mm-hmm. more of a consulting role. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't remember the exact. Uh, there is a there is one credit page that had. Several of us that right. are working on the show on it. Yeah, I don't remember the exact term. Huh. Mm-hmm. I don't just... get hung up on titles. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Hey, it's not an award show. We don't get hung up on titles. Uh, would you say that your role is to kind of pitch in and help in, in that kind of aspect? Or are there certain things that they rely on you to take care of every year? Yeah, it varies. And we have It's a small team, you know, really a core team of maybe four or five people. You know, a lot of it is who's got the relationship. You know, I have a lot of those relationships. So if it's talking to one of the, you know, working with one of the inductees to try to get them, talk about song selection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's other, that's, uh, I'm uh, so uh, other things. About, I like, can help with that. Uh, if it's, you know, trying to find the right person to induct them, if it's trying to find a right person to tribute, mm-hmm. you know, a little more of a booking function. Uh, yeah. I do a lot of that, again, based on those relationships but a lot of times it's like who's got the best relationship yeah, yeah and um, then they'll be the point person and i work closely with the the whoever's produced the producer director of the show um for the last ever since i've been doing this has been someone i've known mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's been a couple different people but it's people that i've known they've actually both the person who's doing it this year and the person who did it for the last five years and which people I worked with at both uh, MTV mm-hmm. and VH1. This is Joel Gallen and Alex Coletti? Yes. Okay. Is Gallen doing it again this year? Uh, Joel is producing again this year. Okay. Alex did the last five. Joel right. did like 17 years before that. So mm-hmm. these are guys, I mean, I talked to them both on my way over here today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm still very close. You know, so with, with Joel, I have been talking to, you know, we talk daily and brainstorm mm-hmm. and oh, that's great. text on text on weekends. And it's just a constant you know there's a constant conversation going on Mm -hmm. so speaking of song selection when a band like so like roxy music for example last year you know they opened with what in every home a heartache in every dream home a heartache they had an interesting mix of it was like like, as a a roxy fan i thought it was pretty cool that they went they went a little deep and Mm -hmm. they did like a medley in the middle that was their that was that was their call there was no push from the production team of these are the songs i mean obviously you want to encourage people to do the songs that the audience is going to want to going to want to hear but within a you know with if you have a certain time frame that you have to work with you know somebody wants to do two very long songs or squeeze five songs into a medley it's 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 a mutual discussion but we at the end of the day we want you know we don't dictate 
you don't want to dictate to the artist you have to do these three songs or you're not doing the show like mm-hmm. there's there is right. none of that okay <laughs> you know and it's although, it's a it's a collaborative effort that usually yields positive results did that get cut what what got cut from the roxy you know, I think they they probably. I mean, because Roxy ended up playing. There was a medley with three songs, and then they did. It, they actually did Hero. five total. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. So there was those three songs, which was Avalon, More Than This, and Love Is a Drug, and then they played In Never Dream Home a Heartache, and then they played Editions of You and Out of the Blue. Well, nothing will be cut this year. That's yeah, what I right? mean. It's going to be so different <laughs> yeah. because you yeah. can't. So you know, let's say a band plays five songs. Like normally in the you know five hour ceremony, they're going to cut it down to three out. so that. Yeah, so I think you'll still get the same amount on the television show, just won't be cut. And obviously this will be rehearsed and we'll know, mm-hmm. barring you know, them pulling an Elvis Costello and, uh, yeah, switching, and switching a song at the last mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. On SNL. Oh. Started a song and then... Yeah, I think he was playing Less Than Zero or something and then he started playing Radio Radio. Yes. He said, stop, stop, stop. I can't do this. <gasps> yeah, it's great. <laughs> one of the great, one of the great moments on yeah. the t- oh, right. classic TV. And I think it was banned from SNL after yeah, that for a while. Yeah, came back twenty years later. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's interesting. And so you have a little bit of involvement also on in terms of who gives the speech, who inducts them. Yeah. So again, it's a, these are all group. These are all group. It's a, the group. Nobody's making individual decisions. The group mm-hmm. discusses this yeah. stuff. Where, where, it's, it's a handful of people. I'm assuming that's you, Joel Perisman. Is Landau involved in the ceremony itself? Yeah, to an ex- you know, I know to I always extent. see Robbie Robertson's name up there, but I'm, it's unclear to me how involved he is. Um, he has been in the past, yeah. actually, which was a thrill for me because as a big fan, I got to I got to work on a show with Robbie Robertson every year, which was mm-hmm. great. And uh, you know, we developed a nice relationship. You should see his documentary, by the way, which uh, I saw a couple weeks ago. Oh, the the band. There's a documentary about Robbie and the band that oh, is pretty fantastic. Oh, cool! Oh, I would love that. Yeah, they're so one of my see, all-time. It's it's a it's a great film. Just to yeah. give a little plug, okay, a little, little plug for Robbie's <laughs> movie. Uh, okay, so yeah, there, there's kind of a, a small selection of, of you guys who are, are working together to yes. make all these things happen in the, the yeah. best way. I mean, the producer director is ultimately responsible for the mm-hmm. show itself, but we all contribute. We had hoped last year that the David Byrne inducting Radiohead might give them a little bit more. It would maybe pull it, it, the it, reluctant members of yeah. radio. So did we. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think it was, it was So did we. Move. Listen, every effort was made yeah. to try to get them all there. Even if, you know, I kind of assumed, even though I would have loved for them to play, I kind of assumed playing them performing was probably a long shot, but was kind of hoping we would mm-hmm. get, get them all there. And well, Here's a question. Given that going into it, everyone kind of knew that they weren't going to show we up. I mean, we you don't know, we, but like you have certainly try. Yes. Given the their state, all effort, a lot of efforts were made to try to get them. Well, last year there were seven inductees, and I was curious if the likelihood of Radiohead not performing had something to do with the larger than normal no. class. No. Okay. And then, I mean, one of the more interesting and uh, kind of unique aspects of the hall are these jams that they do at the end. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Which were the early days were literally jams. Yeah. Yes. Well, you played a you played a piece from a jam the other day from a Waldorf Astoria jam. Yeah. I mean, like in those first five years or so, where it's almost literally a hundred people on stage and Paul Shavers running around with a guitar. Yeah. Well, again, it wasn't a televised show, yeah. and it could be a lot of people. It was just it was looser. Mm-hmm. You know, there's good and bad about that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's a. Uh, 
it's it's certainly a thing to behold. Yes, watching those old jams. But I've got to imagine that, along with the other aspects of the ceremony, is something you guys are are thinking about possibilities with. Yeah, the inductees. we always do, always do it. You know, it depends who the inductees are. Yeah. Is, are they suited for that kind of thing? Who who would be the right band? Like last year. You know, I mean, it's not why Def Leppard closed, but Def Leppard made a lot of sense to close because they're a mm-hmm. big arena rock band and mm-hmm. they have a lot of big, big songs. But we figured they, you know, they did all the young dudes right with, at, at, with, with, with Ian Hunter yeah, at the very the end. And that seemed guy, yeah. it wasn't your typical jam. A few other people joined in. We invited everybody's oh, invited yeah, to join Hoffs in. Susanna Hobbs was out there. Susanna Hobbs, <laughs> the guys from the zombies, little yeah. Steven. I think Phil Manzanera, Phil Manzanera was there. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody's invited. We realized it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not. Some people just are not going to be comfortable this is coming when out. Janet yeah, finally she decides up. to. Not sure Janet was going to do it, uh, but we ask everybody to do it, mm-hmm. and they're more than welcome to. But it depends. You have to have the right act to do that with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then there, is there a little bit of just in terms of logistics? The headliner mm-hmm. is kind of the foundation of the jam group. I mean, just already set up. At yeah, just from a strictly production and logistics standpoint to. You know, it's all, at the end of a long night, if then you have to do another changeover to another band, mm-hmm. you're going to, you know, right. you, you risk losing people. So mm-hmm. that's why it's uh, it just makes sense to do it that way. Of but course. how involved are you with their speeches, both the inductors and the inductees? Me personally, not not as much. I mean, we have a creative team and that's something the producer director will get involved in. That's there to aid, um, you know. Yeah, we, you know, we put you know, the speeches are usually on teleprompter for them mm-hmm. so that we do see them in advance. I think it's even for this year, it'll probably be more important to see them yeah. in advance. So, you know, from a, all the discussions, always... there'll be disc- once, once the inductors are set and for the people getting in, there'll be a discussion with them. Like, here's how much time you have right now in the past. We'd say, if you go along, don't worry about it. We'll edit it. And we'll post. edit yep, it. We'll fix, fix it. it we'll post. fix it in post, but that's a, it'll be a different discussion this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. I also always feel like there's always at least one or two artists who get up on stage holding their piece of paper that they like that they wrote backstage. Then they're like putting their glasses on. They're taking them off. They're looking at the paper. They're mm-hmm. not looking at the paper. I'm talking about Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Nicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also other ones in the yeah, past too. Like there have been so many where like a person will bring up their paper and then they're reading it off the thing. I feel like this year that's not going to fly. Yeah. Get it together, guys. Not we're going to do our best. You, again, it's live TV. You never and know what's going to happen. These are rock stars, but baby. We're gonna, they do what they want. We're going to have it as well rehearsed and buttoned up as uh, as we can. Is there, we have heard, or we've postulated or maybe heard that sometimes a, a performer will not perform even if they are living and capable. If the hall is not able to meet their production value requests or like that That's was... kind of our working theory of, of Janet Jackson Of Janet or with, um, who else didn't perform? Was, I mean, Radiohead was, was they were Yeah, Radiohead. There. No, but wasn't it Oh, like, we talked about uh, NWA. NWA. Where it kind of feels like there's maybe a willingness on their part to perform, but to do it their way, which goes beyond the production. The production, production limitations of, of the a, hall and of the ceremony where you need to clear things out and keep along. things moving. Yeah, I mean, with Janet, we did our best to try to get her to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have loved for her to perform. She had a lot going on at the time as She's well. ready for a Vegas residency. You know, mm-hmm. um, so despite, we had all the right people talking to her. Sure. It wasn't just us. It was people that she's very close with. I'm sure um, Questlove was probably a part of um, the we, 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 we had, we uh, recruited, you know, her, her, her inner circle as much as we could because we, Jimmy Jam is in her ear. Like, come on girl, do it. <laughs> um, and everybody would have wanted it. We would have loved it. You know, she, at the end of the day, opted not. 
but she also gave it. I thought she gave a great speech. I really I liked was, her I, speech. I thought it was a really emotional moment, and I think that's what you know people remember from it. You know, NWA. I'm trying to remember. I mean, obviously, we 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 would have loved for them to perform. We ended up doing the. Uh, we did, did the, there was no performance. That's right. There was no performance for that. Yeah. Um, I think what Ice Cube has said. I think he said it on Stern, where he was like, "We had something we wanted to do. They said no, and we were like, all right." Which uh, make, leads me to believe they had something that, like, well, you have to I mean, one, probably. But yeah, I mean, you have to do it within the. There are some parameters. Some con- it just yeah. has nothing to do with the artist or anything else or an unwillingness. It's just there's only so much when you're doing you know, multiple acts, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing. People don't bring their. You know, if someone's on, if, if someone's doing a Vegas show, yeah. you can't. You're not necessarily bringing that Vegas show to this show. You have to do it within the, yeah, the parameter set up, and it's you not. It's not intended it. to be all about a big production with a lot of effects and everything. I mean, there's mm-hmm. great lighting and screens and things that we do to enhance the performance. But at the end of the day, it's really about seeing those people do those songs. It's not, it's not supposed to replicate their concerts. Right. Which was, sometimes doesn't resonate with the artists themselves, unfortunately. I, and I'm curious, was there ever a discussion of doing like, kind of like what Madonna, uh, another person does like a tribute to Janet? Yeah. yeah like, we just, yeah. live. Would she, was she un, not amenable to no, that? Or it I just don't think that, happen? you know, I don't think that was it. It was just a matter of, you know, if you're going to do that, you want to aim really high. Yeah, because you can't get. It's like hard, how do and that's who's not an easy. Than and Janet, by the way, that's like also. I mean, Janet's because it's so much about the production with her. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's not, even to get someone else to do it, it's going to take a lot of work on someone else's part to come in. It's yeah. not like coming to sit at the piano and sing a song. Exactly, they would you need know, to you like hire to, dancers and so make and the a kind whole of level thing. of artist that you would an artist like Janet deserves to do that. You know, it was there would be a lot involved in that. So, and we we were you know holding out till as long as we could to see if she would actually perform. So you yeah. can't actually go out and. Yeah. And that's else. not something yeah. you can put together a week before the show, yeah. right? Of course. I wanted you know. To again, perform. I think uh, she did great. I think oh, yeah. she delivered on her speech, and that was a really special moment. And then mm-hmm. I have to ask a question that has been sticking in my craw for so mm-hmm. long. I was almost going to ask you if you weren't. Going to, but I, I will I absolutely. It's my biggest. Exactly it's my biggest uh, like beef with the hall right now is that there was no Aretha tribute. No live Aretha tribute, and I am I'm still so salty about it. What happened? Um, you know, it was definitely something discussed. I mean, the, the the challenge there was there had already been a number, obviously a number of Aretha tributes done. Yes. Um, I, f- I forget I forget actually when she passed, what the timing of when she actually passed was. Let's just say there was plenty of time. <laughs> To put together, to put together, <laughs> but there had also been a number of other true. The, the a, I mean, her funeral a lot, was a, a lot of other tributes. The, the and had done one. On one hand, you don't want to go back and try to retread what had already been done, and all, a lot of those places had shows had like the kind of artists that you would want to do that. Yeah. Um. So you want to, you know, I'm just like, listen, it's it's. I don't know if there's a right answer. I'm mm-hmm. over here just like Chris Cornell, uh, 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 not even in the hall, gets a whole song of his done. We got, you know. Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. I mean, it's wild, the people who have gotten tributes. And she's the first woman inducted into the hall. She right. is so iconic and so important. And it's like, I was so disappointed. I was like, there's going to, there has to be a tribute to her. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a tribute. They're going to get everyone in the world there. And it's going to be so. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was. Well, so again, sad. you have to realize a lot of those the people, oh, the people that are on that list had already done, they had already done tributes had, to her. So it feels maybe like a retread. Listen, very well aware that she's the first woman to get in and how important and 
iconic she is. So I'm just like they but, give but, so much time to so many other people who are. But so if you're not going to do it the way it, it do it right and have the level of artist it deserves, then that's those those are what make for the tough decisions. I am, I'm like just then go then, then do do a big package. Just a, I know you use the her version of Amazing Grace, and she got like the last like screen grab on the on the memoriam but i was like yeah she deserved more from the hall like she was so important i was i was very disappointed that's and now and now you know i i i I understand your position the complaint has officially been written i I understand the position you can't you know it's uh i mean i do understand it would have been sad if it had not been a incredible just like all out <laughs> banger of a yeah because you have to you don't uh, want to throw them together yeah you yeah. don't want it to be you don't want a uh, b-level version of that yes, especially no, for the rock hall absolutely not but i just was like i was i'm like they've got janet there like I mean, janelle monet was janelle there Monet is there like this could really be something i'm mm-hmm. like you know Michelle Obama. I keep saying that I wanted Michelle Obama <laughs> to be there. there. Just, just there, bumping. just there on stage <laughs> near them at the piano, Alicia Keys. I mean, you had the um the Nina Simone tribute. It was very beautiful and you could uh, We've seen it done before. I'm just saying. Well, I'm curious about, and this might be something that you have no knowledge of, but this uh, this singles category Ooh, that they've yeah. done the past few mm-hmm. years, <laughs> it was cut out of the broadcast last year. Yes. Uh, I'm curious if that is our indication that it is not long for this world. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Ooh. I wouldn't say that. Do you, so, okay. <laughs> so we might be getting a singles category this Listen, year. The show is still being uh, put together. Again, there's a... Once we know who's coming, mm-hmm. who's doing what, who's what songs are being done, uh-huh. who, then you allot it, your time. Oh, I'm Joel, so excited Joel, for the it's big really up to, you know, It's Joel Gallon's responsibility to put together a format for the show. Um, and to your point, there's going to be, you know, you have to find some things, interstitial things to fill, yeah. to fill in some gaps and so forth. Um, you know, so I think all things are still uh, being discussed. In play? Okay. Yeah. I'll register my, uh, how, how should I put this? <laughs> <laughs> just let let your voice be heard you know stand up and sing joe tell us tell us how you feel i'll just say that uh if you cut it i don't think the ceremony would lose anything yes i absolutely agree and it would bum me out if like something else got less time so that little steven could talk about what songs are essential bar band songs it would <laughs> I, bum listen, me out. I like the concept of it of the songs mm-hmm. that you know, maybe the artist will never get in, but these songs are Hall of Fame yes, worthy is a valid concept. And then oh. he throws in an Isley Brothers song and you're like, Stephen, what are you doing? Joe was livid. <laughs> I, I screamed because we were at the ceremony. We were at the ceremony last year. He was I, I livid. He literally went, what is the point? He was so mad uh, because we had always we, we had thought because I, mean, I thought the first year of the singles category was actually done pretty well. Yeah, I'm just pretty on board those with all those choices. Were Agreed, day. and there's plenty of other songs to choose from so too that many. are that are so deserving. We even went so far as to do a draft of what songs we thought maybe would be included in the next year, and we were so we a lot of episodes to fill. I don't yeah. know if you can tell. <laughs> we were so off in a way where we were like, oh. Well, fuck this. Nothing matters. Like, there is no criteria that you can really look to if it's going to be bands that are already in. And bands that are just, that Little Steven likes. It really feels like his thing. I would like it maybe if there were more people voting, maybe. If there was more of a process to have 
uh, a more of a consensus from a lot of different voices, but when it kind of all feels like bands that could be played on Little Steven's Underground Garage on Sirius XM, then I don't really know the value of the category. I don't know if it's quite to that, to quite to that extent. He would never but, in a million uh, years put Rapper's Delight in the singles category, even though that's one of the ones that I, absolutely should. That's how I by feel. By the way, I don't disagree that that's a song that... Cause you know, Sugar Hill Gang are yeah, not getting in. They're not in. getting in, no. but that really song likely. is iconic, important, is a good single. It's like the I agree. It's the quintessential. Yeah. And he would never in a million years. You don't know that. He would <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> he just put in a fucking Sam and Dave song. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean I, I will you know I fo- I'm, I'm focused on other parts of the show. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that's not your uh your jurisdiction. Um, just let it be known. <laughs> I'm curious uh, because there was a rumor, but it, it proved to be untrue that the ceremony this year was going to be in a much bigger venue than the public hall. But it feels, uh, if I'm unless I'm mistaken, the public hall auditorium in Cleveland is where the ceremony is happening. As, as far as I know, it is okay. A- Which to me seems like a small venue for uh, an event of this magnitude, especially for the city of Cleveland you, that gets excited. Have you actually been to it? In I have in not. Been, I have not been to the public. I hall. love it there. Okay. When it's in, you know, it's much smaller than the Barclays. It's smaller than the Barclays. I don't know exactly what the official capacity is. It's a historic venue. It's, mm-hmm. I think the Beatles played there. I mean, it really is. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of history in that room, and it feels like there's, for an arena, it actually feels kind of intimate. Okay. Whereas sometimes when you get into the giant places, you um, lose something. You can. Um, again, I'm not. I have nothing to do with the with with the venue selection. I'm. Ha- I'm. I'm glad it's there. Okay. Uh, just as a fan, it just feels. I know there's some kind of energy in that place. How does it work then? Is there like sp- spillover viewing places or something like that? I know there's like a in Cleveland they have like a separate screening room. I think at the hall itself, at the Rock Hall, the museum. Oh, at the museum. Okay. They do right. a, they do a concurrent event where you can watch. That makes sense. I obviously haven't been to and that. And also everyone yeah, will be event. able to just be watching it live on That's the thing is it's not as special now, anymore because having a live stream is just going to be on what I'm assuming is HBO Max given that I think that's the new HBO thing that is doing streaming events. Yeah, again, don't know. From what I understand. Don't know. We mentioned him previously because you're you're tight with him. John Sykes is the new chairperson of the hall. Uh, there are so many different little um, positions within the hall, whether it's the CEO, Joel Perisman, or mm-hmm. the person who's running the nominating committee, John Landau. Or the Landau. person who orders the hoagie, whatever. Oh, Don't God, worry about it. it. I knew that was <laughs> Had to, come. had to. Um, Greg Harris, who's the CEO of the museum. Yep. And then there's the, then there's the board... And then there's a chairperson of the board. I'm wondering if you could, and maybe you have absolutely no idea. There's just so many different, seemingly very important, powerful positions. With Sykes as the new chairperson of the board, what that means potentially. Like going forward do, with with him at the helm, so to speak. Also, is he really at the helm? What does anything mean? Is my question. <laughs> well, listen, I, th- I think formally, I don't even, I think he, officially started first of the year if i'm not mis- i could be wrong about that so okay. and you know i mean joel for, like joel parisman his he, he comes to work every day his he's working on rock and roll hall of fame every day and he's mm-hmm. got a full he's got a real full-time job oh. um, right he's the ceo yes of, of the rock and roll i think it's I don't know, maybe it's called the rock and roll hall, hall of fame foundation. foundation versus the museum yeah right so that's you know it's not just about it doesn't just revolve around this event he is working on it on things year round and they do there's a lot of other initiatives and hopefully there'll be more initiatives that they're doing 
Greg is obviously responsible for the the museum itself. That's the most clear one to me. Yeah, I get that. Joe's, <laughs> Joe's, Joe's trying to get a mental org chart going for the <laughs> hall. He's got a. I don't want to show you his room because he does have a big Strings, board with string. He's note got cards, note cards, yeah. push pins. What does it all mean? And John, listen. John obviously has a. You know, he's another job. Is a senior executive at iHeart. Listen, he's been uh, he's been on the nominee committee as long as I have. He's been on before I have been. He's. Mm-hmm. I've known John since 1982. He's as passionate a music guy as I've met my time in the business and still is to this day. It's hardworking. It's his energy. Like, I remember my energy when I was in the early days. I'm still pretty passionate. I don't know if I have quite the energy I did. John mm-hmm. still does. Sure. He's a force of nature. That's great. Um, so I'm actually excited to see what he brings to this. Mm-hmm. And Jan, Jan, Jan's a legend, and the opportunity to work with Jan. Well, he was while I was doing it, it was great, you know, great. We developed a nice relationship and he was you know, he I think he respected my opinions on things and I grew to the point where I was comfortable giving them to him. Okay. Yeah, um, that's nice. You know, I felt I felt like they were he was letting me they were letting me into their world. So mm-hmm. someone like that that is you know, an icon in this business was was great to have that experience with. I think John will bring, you know, some new energy to it and mm-hmm. some new excitement and you know, I think because he's in the current artist business I think it's going to be important to bring current artists, not just for this, obviously for the show, but other ways to engage current artists in mm-hmm. in rock and roll fame kind of functions. I think will be important to continue the legacy of the hall and make sure it still continues to be vital and just doesn't fade away over time. Right? Yeah. To, it, it, so that's what I'm exci- that's what I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. In order to keep the hall a living, breathing thing. Yeah. I yeah. Think that like, I hope there are some really great. Whitney and Biggie tributes. That's me personally just putting it out there. I really hope that they're live and awesome and that me too. You know, everybody well, that's, that's that's the goal. Like, you know, that that we fly all of New York to Cleveland and get it popping <laughs> on stage. That is really what I'm hoping. Well, we we're on the same page there. Yeah. Beautiful. I think too, you know, it is the this way in all aspects of society, but so much of this business trades on relationships and trades on who you know and who you identify with and who you've known since you know your whole life and stuff like that. And you just mentioned seven names, and I'm they were all men and they're all mm-hmm. white. I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, I'll, but, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, and it feels like so much of it is your friends hire their friends, hire their friends, hire their friends, and you like the people who are like you and. I mean, it makes it it makes its own boys club, whether it was intentional or not. How are you guys working to diversify that to bring in more women and more people of color and stuff into these big executive positions? Because that is hard. Understood. Yeah. I'm probably not the best person to answer that. Because <laughs> um, you're not necessary. You're not yeah. exactly in charge. No, I am. No, I'm yeah. not. I am one of the old yeah. white guys. That's, yeah. uh, that's <laughs> right. Uh, but no, listen, the nominating committee has, has, the face of the nominating committee has changed a lot since I've been on it. It's gotten much more diverse. You know, there's always still room to grow, but it's mm-hmm. got, it's, I would look back when I first joined, there was 40 some people on it. I mean, yeah. you needed to camp out there for a day for that meeting. Cause there's so many people in the Gotta room. Order a, lot a, of, a lot of hoagies. If you're going to be there, good that hoagies, long. good, good. There weren't hoagies. It was just, it's, it was, it's, that's it's always a the hoagie. <laughs> Everyone's trying to tell me it's not a hoagie, but I know it's a hoagie. Kristen likes to say it's a hoagie. And then I like to we... say that there's a big long hoagie that goes down the middle of the table. And everybody I takes hate to bite. shatter your, uh, shatter your, illusions. you wouldn't be the you first be, and it's unshatterable. <laughs> so it's what I believe. Um, but I, I've seen it just in, you know, as a participant and observer, how it's changed over time. And obviously a lot of, 
when John took over, that was a question he's been asked a lot, and mm-hmm. I would probably defer to him to uh, yeah to answer that. But I'm confident that uh, it's 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 nothing that is taken lightly. The irony is, you know, I hear a lot of times a lot of it's not only about the diversity of the the actual committee members, but the nominees, the inductees, mm-hmm. and a lot of the big female artists who have gotten lobbied for the nominating mean come from got you know it's 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 not just women pitch men, oh, women yeah. and men pitch I, men yeah you know? I don't believe that I just mean like in the executive function of a an organization right. it's going to inadvertently be affected by the makeup of who's at the top mm-hmm. regardless of what's going on in the middle re- regardless of what's going on you know at the um, like front facing part you know in the yep. ceremony for example. But it's it's kind of like who's at the top, and it's. I mean, I I have empathy for the idea for the concept of like you want to work with the people that you know and you trust and you've worked with for a long time, mm-hmm. and we all just have to make concerted efforts to to do better and be better. So if you could deliver I, that message, the I, top, think that, that I think that I think that message has been. I, I have a feeling that message has already been delivered and mm-hmm. heard. Like I'm not a member of the board, right? So I know they'll probably make efforts on that side. I just would say that knowing John as well as I, I can't think of anybody more qualified to do this job than mm-hmm. John. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's kind of ironic to be sort of working for him again after uh, yeah. right. I mean, we've always stayed close, but Full working circle. for him again. And I'm excited about what he's going to potentially bring to this. So um, I'm intrigued by it. It's going to be a live ceremony. I just am like, mm-hmm. what does this mean? We had wa- Joe made me watch as many live ceremonies as he could get his hands on. Like I said, we have a lot of episodes to film. And so. <laughs> I cannot imagine. Uh, I'm just like, how is it going to get cut into? You have a really big job on your hands. <laughs> it keeps it exciting. We're, we we talk about it every day. I like it too because you do not seem daunted, and I think that is that gives me confidence. Well, I'm not producing the show. <laughs> I'm not the director <laughs> or producer of the show. True. Talk to talk to Joel. He may feel uh, <laughs> differently, but no. Listen, I I think that any good. I don't want to speak for him, but any great producer director likes new challenges thrown at yeah. them. And I think I don't think anybody just wanted to. Well, let's just do the show the same way we've been doing. And I think the whole, you know, a, lo- a lot of this with John with John coming in and like, how do we take the show? And I mean, I've loved all the shows we've done, and I think Alex did an amazing job in the five years he did this show, and loved working with him. So I don't think it's there any reflection on that. I think it's just how do you without trying to like be like an and and without trying to be like one of the other shows. Yeah. That's something yeah. we're not yeah, we're not trying to be like guy. let's try to be like the Grammys or mm-hmm. the you know the AMAs or the Billboard Awards or the VMAs. It's not that at all. But how do you just continue to try some new things? And live seemed like a really instant instant way to all of a sudden change yeah. the whole yeah, vibe right off changed. the bat. That's, yeah, it's a drastic way to uh, shake. Things yeah, so up. that just as a starting point, that mm-hmm. that forces a, you know, bitch, makes you change your way of thinking. So, can I ask you a question? Oh yeah. So, what do you Ooh. think of the inductees this year? I feel <laughs> like it's a solid class. I'm happy to see different, uh, not just genres but eras represented. Uh, after Radiohead did not get in their first year, I was a little worried about. And that year was a very, like every inductee in 2018 had been eligible for a very long time. I was worried that the hall wouldn't be able to consistently remain current and would get a little stuck in previous eras. But when you see this year we have Nine Inch Nails and we have Notorious B.I.G. and Whitney Houston, those, and even you think of like Depeche Mode, you have artists who had significant work in the 90s and all four of those had it's a wide array of genre and i think the rock hall is at its best 
when it is representing different facets <laughs> of music. I think that's important. Uh, I was a little dismayed that I really thought Pat Benatar would be a slam dunk. It is my biggest beef. <laughs> it just felt like she just seemed. We did our job. We got her on yeah, the ballot. I was no. like, and and I you know what? She it's, was it, gonna... it's her first year on the ballot, and I. I would certainly hope that the same level of enthusiasm that went into pitching her last year will will happen again. I, I would I certainly thought, advocate that. Yeah. I thought she was just gonna. It seemed like a slam dunk because she is like she's a classic rock artist <clears throat> in the mold of a lot of those artists who are snubbed but then get on the ballot and then get in immediately. Not to mention she is a woman and the hall <clears throat> has struggled with getting the proper amount of female inductees in. So it felt like oh this is gonna be a layup. She's she's classic rock. She's, she's gonna, alive. She's touring. She, she'll like. she'll perform and be I'll great. Stop you! I'll stop you when I disagree. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so that that was and a little. She's certifiably rocks. She, I mean, yeah, you yeah. cannot say she she's rocks. not rock and roll. There's no argument there. So that was a little disappointing. Otherwise, I, I feel pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I would have. I thought the ballot was. I really wanted Chaka Khan to get in this year too. That that's there's you know as someone who's followed this for a long time there. A few artists where it just when Kraftwerk and and Rufus and you know don't get in, you, it's expected at this point because of keep trying. Got to yeah. can't, can't yeah. blame us for keeping the tr- for it trying. MC Five someday. I, guess. <laughs> right? I know they're the three. They're the <laughs> like, yeah. Sheik Sheik was like that for a long time, yeah. and then but Nile, then you know the Nile Rogers. Well, he because there was so much more to him than just Sheik yeah. that right. it felt like it didn't feel like oh we better get him in somehow. It really yeah. felt he was very deserving of that because mm-hmm. he'd done so much beyond Sheik. That but that does put a lid on the Sheik nominating, I think. I don't think there's going to yeah, be that's any, not happening again. any Sheik <laughs> Probably, You're probably correct there. In the there. future. You're probably correct there. Uh, like, let's but, get Carol King on as a, not, as a performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess I would have, when it comes to the ballot, it, it felt a little light when it, especially given the kind of the cultural conversation, it felt pretty light for women inductees. I thought the ballot was... So who would you have wanted to see on there that wasn't on the ballot? Oh, I love to see... The, the Go-Go's. Go-Go's. Would have loved to see... I mean, I, do, I think there's... Still a, time. There's a case to be made for Carly Simon. Yes. Uh, I think... Tina Turner Tina Solo. Tina Turner Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, even bands that aren't fully just women, like the B-52s. Yes. Or the Eurythmics, or even a band like the Pixies, that at the very least isn't all-male... Or Joy Division slash New Order, which if if I can if I His if you can if I can get you to leave pitch. with one thing that you remember <laughs> is that if Joy Division comes up, it has to be Joy Division slash New Order. Yeah, just I put, just, just putting. I get one. that. I don't together. know if you can actually do that though. Oh, you can. Can you? The faces and the small faces were inducted we okay. together. Parliament okay. Funkadelic was nominated together. Uh, He's got the receipts to back okay. it up. Okay. Okay. I think it's. Right. I think it's very important because if you just induct Joy Division, you don't. You're more or less inducting New Order without the woman, which is I think bad. <laughs> that would be bad. Understood. Optics. Uh, also, I, they're the same band, right. obviously. They just I know. charge I know. them with a different name. As you know, you know. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, were working in the music industry at the time. <laughs> you well, we'll say, listen, I'm encouraged with The Cure getting in last year and Depeche Mode getting in this year. Yeah, that's New a, that's, Wave that's a lane. A, that's a lane that hadn't, yeah. had, I think had it's been, been underrepresented. For, yeah. And I think that's opened the door to mm-hmm. all, you know, there's... The Cure all, used to be Joe's biggest snub. And so it was yeah. very, very exciting last year. It was. When they got uh, in. I'm curious if you guys think... Because obviously, the next up in that lane would probably be the Smiths. and Who have been on the ballot before. Yes, twice. But I wonder if you guys think 
oh, that sounds like a nightmare. Just given that they don't get along and Morrissey is a white nationalist. And if that is something that occurs to you, like, we put we get Depeche Mode. They we know they perform. Everybody loves them. They're great. We can ensure their performance almost a hundred percent. But with the Smiths, it is it is a whole. They mess. put in dire straits, though. You have to remember, they do not care. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take the answer for you, but and how great would it be if the Smiths actually came and performed? Right? Yeah. So that's the other thing. You're rolling the <laughs> dice. Like, yeah. You're you're not playing the odds. By the way, no. I, who knows? Mm-hmm. You don't think never... you don't think of the live show when nominating? No, and I think that's imp- I, I I don't think you should because Good. I yeah. I think that's and I will say that is something that is hammered into our heads it's like don't get so caught up in, in and part of me all has it part of me because i work on big. it has, yeah. always is, is always thinking like that yeah. yeah but at the end of the day you're putting on you're, you're inducting people because they're hall of fame worthy mm-hmm. yeah and then you have that it's your job you're to figure out how to make that then it's your job how to how to make that into <laughs> good, hopefully yeah. good television it's not like what it would be good television and let's back it in, into it that way that's uh, which yeah. is tempting yeah tempting but it's not it's not fair it's not right okay all right. That's it, and that's just maybe my. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a balance too because mm-hmm. you have to be. It's become the ceremony has become a big deal, and mm-hmm. you want to be thinking about what that could be. And I have these fantasies like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if the Smiths actually reunited on the Rock? Like, how great yeah. would that be if they reunited the Rock and Roll of Fame? But what happens? You know, Oasis is eligible. Right. Yeah. You know, they were eligible for the first time this past year. They didn't make. We they thought didn't they make, might get nominated. They didn't make the ballot, and, yeah. but would they? You know, what kind of fight? Would part of it. Part of yeah. stage. Part of it is like, God, we should nominate him just to see what happens. Yeah, you know? yeah. well, it would cause well, and but like, but I also don't think that's the reason. That I, I say that kidding, half kidding, yeah, half course. serious, because there's an argument to be made that Oasis is Hall of Fame worthy. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they Absolutely. will. I think they will be. They'll show up. Yeah, I mean, in, in the sense that they will not. They will physically show up. But they will. They'll show up I on the ballot. Feel strongly that they, soon enough they'll be on the ballot. Yeah. yeah, and not everybody has to be. You know, I get. Obviously, the, the the nominating committee is public knowledge. For a long time, I don't think it was public knowledge who was on the nominating mm-hmm. committee. It clearly is in print now. Yeah, and people know, so everybody gets worked. On yeah. Certain oh, things. So yeah. The minute the clock hits twenty five, you know, there's certain you get certain calls and. Uh, wow is it is it like being? Are people for your consideration like campaigning you? Um. Yeah. You know. Listen. I. I, I think. All, you, I think everybody sending gets you it. CDs in the mail. I, <laughs> Retro, career <laughs> retrospectives. Yeah. Their box sets. I. You know, the hall gets a lot of fans vote. You know, coming to them. I mean, that's a conversation. If you ever get to talk to Greg Harris, that mm-hmm. he's the one. You know, when he's in the meet, he sort of represents the hall. Yeah, in there. The so face, he always yeah. brings up like who the people that the fans. And well, now they have this. They have this the thing. The, they have the thing here, at the yeah. Hall of Fame now, where you can oh, actually yeah. vote for oh, who, yeah, who you would like to see in. Does, yeah. does Greg bring that up at the meetings? Like, yeah, that's part. Like you know, part of his part of his kiosk? role mm-hmm. is definitely to um, make people aware. I mean, yeah. it doesn't necessarily influence the choices, but which we saw this year because we thought last year. I mean, the top two names were Def Leppard and Stevie Nicks, right? And we were thought, okay, does this weird kiosk at the museum have a lot of sway? And then the next year, it was uh, Motley Crue and Blink One Eighty Two, and obviously yeah. they were not on the. And ballot. for a while, it was like Freddie Mercury <laughs> solo. Was it was like, funny. what is happening? Yeah, the people uh, don't. I mean, I like listen. I think everybody does their own. I mean, I'm a, I'm I'm a numbers guy. You know, I always <laughs> like to see the stats and mm-hmm. like to see what. You know who and, does and, well in the kiosk? Pat Benatar. That's true. She does every and year. And she well in the fan vote as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. She was. Was she number two? She yeah, was after uh, after the Dave Matthews Band <laughs> run away. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dave Matthews is active and has oh yeah, ton, tons oh, yeah. and tons of passionate fans. Rabbit. So 
I would have been surprised yeah. if A. Matthews didn't win the fan vote. Yeah, no, he's honest. got a great. horde tours worth of I mean, truly. Of fans. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Do you remember the horde tour? No. Oh, it, it was like Blues Travelers. Blues Travelers yeah. uh, tour in the 90s. It was like their Lollapalooza kind yeah. of thing. That's okay. It was a Chicago thing, I think. I'll sit out. I can't remember. Uh, and I guess my last, I don't know if it's a question, but more of just a suggestion I'll put to you. <laughs> if you have any sway in getting people ballots to vote on, you might, you, you know, maybe you have some new friends who think about this stuff all the time and are <laughs> have a... probably thinking about it more than anyone else in the country. So. <laughs> Which I love. Even and, against and, their own will. Yeah. And respect and appreciate. I mean, all, all I'll say is that we want the people that vote to feel as passionate about it as we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and to really care and not just... Yeah, I take it. I take it. Listen, I take it seriously. I get excited when I get my ballot. Still, oh yeah. yeah. You know, I have other friends who 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 are voters who do it, and they, I I don't post my votes online. I keep that. Mm-hmm. I keep who I voted to myself. But some people are so proud, like they'll take a, you know put on their Instagram, mm-hmm. they get their ballot, and here's yeah. who I voted for, and they want it out there. And oh yeah, we've talked to people. We've we've we, call, we had two episodes where we called people. I think actually I broached that to you and you were like I produce a ceremony I can't tell you my <laughs> <You're> like, absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> but yeah we've talked to people we've pressured people we've changed people's we've ballots changed people's ballots for the better yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. we have that's we true. got I got Chaka Khan a vote this year I got Janet one last year all right, and all right. Well, that's good we're, we're doing our best <laughs> and listen it's 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 more transparent than I think it's ever been to the degree it can be mm-hmm. and you know, there are people, not that the voting list is made public, but there are people that vote that publicly go out and say, you know, that it's not talking. You know, I think it's different to talk about it as a voter as opposed to, you know, there's certain things that have to be a little more uh, discreet yeah, about because uh, of my role. But I think those are people that are really excited to, to do it and feel like they have, a you know, one or two votes can make a make a difference. My God, you know, wow, it really is. It's like literally you're like on the nominating committee. It's like you can't be thinking about what the show is going to be like. It's like the nominating committee is voting in the primary and then the general election, election. is when yeah. everybody gets their ballots and <clears throat> one or two votes can really make a difference. But I, listen, I, I personally love the ballot this year. I think the ballot, it was a great nominating meeting. The ballot we came out of there with. You know, had a little something for everybody, mm-hmm. and also as a uh, hard as rock, a hard rock, rock band, guy, it was were... uh, it was strong. Got a lot of choices there. It was strong, and you know, we'll never know. It could be maybe there were too many. I don't think there was any hard evidence to point to that. It's just uh, you know, people can theorize. Mm-hmm. If you clear a lane for hip hop, maybe clear a lane for heavy metal. You know, because we feel like the lanes yeah. are cleared for. But a couple years ago, when Priest was on. Was there any other thing in the heart? I don't. You would remember probably better than I would. For who that, else? Who I mean, else was for, on that ballot for that year? I mean, I guess they were going up against Bon Jovi. They were going up against a lot of kind of classic rock artists. Bon, I mean, Bon Jovi, Moody Blues, Demonstrates, right. Cars all got oh, in God, that year. Oh God, I really did not enjoy that year. <laughs> I did not enjoy that Again, year. There were what sixteen on the ballot this year? Correct. I mean, they all deserve to be in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> I'd say with one exception for me, but that's yeah. <laughs> and that would be and that would be you know DMB our man Dave not not you know honestly I think you he mean does. ever or now that's the, that's that's exactly. how I feel I'm okay. like not that's exactly. not so then ever, that but that so that's okay then now. he is Hall of Fame worth you know maybe he doesn't you're saying he doesn't have to be first or second yeah I think he was eligible last, last year this last is the first year, this, this first ballot not everybody has eligible. to get on the first ballot yeah I think uh, I, it also is just odd to me given that the other artists contemporaries that I think would be more. Uh, worthy like say a Beck or a Smashing Pumpkins or Outcast for Dave to get on the ballot before they do to me was strange 
but you know that's the beauty of it it's mm-hmm. all no, subjective i really want to know what it was like and i know that you probably cannot talk about it but it's just like it is so funny because we've talked to someone else who was on the nomcom i can't remember who amy linden yeah and i was <laughs> like when they brought him up the dave Matthews band nobody was like what she was like no everyone was like disgusted <laughs> seriously and then decided to nominate him i'm like i okay yeah and it's uh, that's why i think having the again we have a great group the people in the committee all come from different tastes all mm-hmm. you know all converging and i think people i can even say for myself there's people that i've been in that gone into that meeting saying that they weren't even on my radar that i ended up supporting because somebody made a really passionate case for them do you, do you, are you at liberty to say <laughs> well even educating me like i didn't actually know that much about uh, sister rosetta tharp before she came up in that meeting and i i was aware of the name but i i felt kind of bad that i i didn't really mm-hmm. know a lot and i i learned that i didn't know anything about her or until i watched that induction ceremony that was yeah. actually she, my she favorite was, part of it you know clearly deserved to be in as mm-hmm. you know the influence part obviously is something that's always stressed but going into that I would never have even thought about it. Do you feel like you have convinced people? Yeah. yeah. Do you think you, were you able to sway some people onto a prog rock yes, band? Yes, I, I have. And I think people have told me after the fact, you know, it's like, I don't like this kind of music, but I can see for, for the people who do like it, like how important the this value. band is. Mm-hmm. So I've had people come up to me and say they supported something that they didn't personally like. Yeah. Which is the biggest problem. If you're just going on personal taste. Oh, yeah. That's why when you're doing A&R, you can't just sign things just because you like them. Exactly. Yeah, there's you know, some level We've of all done that, and we've all learned our lesson that you sign something just because you like, and then you find six other people that actually like them. And you pay a million dollars, and they sell 1,200 records. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not Yikes. that ever happened to me. Oh, but uh, <laughs> no way. No way. So with the group we have now, that you can have those, you know, people are much more receptive. I mean, I was... And I was scared shitless my first meeting I was in oh, there sure. because I didn't know what to expect. And there was a lot of people and a lot of people have been doing it a long time mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of journalists who I know specifically with music like like hate prog rock. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> literally yeah, yeah, unabashedly, unashamedly like will go out of their way to say how much they hate it. Mm-hmm. I think I started my first the first meeting I was in, I literally think I started, hi, my name is Rick and I'm a prog rock fan. Just to put it out there. Uh, yeah, let and, know. Um, you know, if you're talking about Genesis or Yes or Rush, mm-hmm. proud, to, proud, proud to fight the fight. Fight the good fight. They're all, they're all very deserving. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad they got in. And one of, my, one of my other favorite moments ever from a Hall of Fame ceremony, we, had, we did it in LA the year that Rush got in. Right. Um, and it was at the beginning of the show when... I mean, the the crowd was literally ninety percent Rush fans, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, in oh, the yes. in the theater. And Jan Wenner would always come out to start the show and list the inductees. Mm-hmm. And when he got to Rush, I mean, literally, he could speak for like another three minutes because the crowd just wouldn't Went stop, nuts. Yeah. wouldn't stop cheering. And it was great. I got you know that was it's a validating moment. Yeah. Yes. And I think people that probably were not Rush fans that didn't understand what that was like saw that. And it's again, it's there's plenty of bands that have diehard fans that maybe aren't Hall of Fame worthy. Mm-hmm. Rush clearly was is the exception to that. And I realize there's, I, I know why people don't like Rush. You know, Rush is not for everybody musically, mm-hmm. but for the people who like and appreciate Rush, they are everything. I mean, you saw it when Neil passed, you know, and I think mm-hmm. it was the love, to me, taking away like the masses from the music community and the musician community, you know, it rivaled Bowie and Prince and Tom Petty 
the the, the tributes you saw that people were coming out with mm-hmm. with Neil like what an impact he had on people especially yeah, it, musicians and just fans he uh, beyond whether you like their music or not you cannot deny the power and the talent of I mean Neil Peart's one of the great drummers of all time absolutely you can't I mean literally because yeah. I went back after that and started looking at the lists that everybody would publish I mean, mm-hmm. Bonham seems to end up number one on every list. Yeah, which, really Bonham, Keith Moon, and but yeah. but Neil was top. You know, if he wasn't top five on someone's list, then it was a bad. It was my opinion. It was it was, a, it was a bad <laughs> list. I mean, he was anywhere between two and five on every list. Yeah. Well, and even you know, Rolling Stone. Joe always <laughs> makes this case too for the Hall, and it's a valid one, I guess. Uh, but Say that it. that. The thing that is cool and good about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that it does expose you to things that you wouldn't know about. It's like when I watch the package, I suddenly am like, oh, yeah, maybe Rush kind of rocks a little bit. Like, oh, who is the Paul Butterfield blues band? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Sister Rosetta Tharp, she kicks ass. I'm learning some stuff. Wanda Jackson was another one. I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know who Wanda Jackson was. Oh, sure. And she performed. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty cool because not often do you get an early influence who then is. We actually put her on a VH1 Divas show after. Like, <gasps> Induct the Divas. You know? <laughs> we, we, we put her on one of those shows that's, I, because of the Rock Hall, that's how I knew about her. Yeah. And you could see she could still, she yeah. could still show up and, and bring it. Yeah. I truly. That is one of my catchphrases on the show is induct the divas. I believe we should just induct all the divas. Anyone who's ever been on a VH1 divas show, put them Pump all the in, brakes. putting Gloria Estefan. I do not care. Put them all in. Fan of the divas, the divas, eh? I love the divas. <laughs> induct them all. You should do it. That should be another podcast you induct can do. I'll be all come on that. Yes. I, oh my gosh. Behind the scenes at Divas Live, I live. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, because then, then they had that pop up video of the Divas Live. Whew. Joe, that's a crossover for us. I guess so. (laughs) I guess if that's what it is. Another thing that we've talked about with kind of Seymour and the old guard is the idea that it would be cool or that that like there is going to come a time as the nominating committee gets younger and more diverse that there's not going to be people who remember these random ivory joe hunter and yeah there's not gonna be someone to continue to nominate them for the 18th time or whatever and that at a certain point wouldn't it be great if there was just a like a a veterans committee Mm -hmm. and then they get one every year they just get to put one in every year they get to do like an early influence style just then you don't have to put it to the voting body who doesn't know shit right they're just like hey this is good trust us i i don't i don't disagree and there's other in my mind there's early influences in other genres DJ Coolherc is an early influence. Yes. Yeah, we we, we just talked we just, about him. You know, yeah. he's not going to. If you put him on the ballot, he's never going to get in yeah, by voting. He barely released any recordings. Yeah, you know? but like we we actually we had a hip hop honor show on VH1 yes. too, and our oh, first yes. our well, first hip hop honor show, we actually we honored him because yeah. he had never really been recognized in that kind of forum before. So I'm certainly hoping that artists like that. Yeah, are, it would mm-hmm. be so cool if that became like a thing where so it doesn't have to be like, someone from the 50s. Yeah, that's what like, I was saying to be an early influence. They've, but if there was just like a a gimme, like the nomcom got one gimme that <laughs> well, they get to do. That's kind of a separate do, thing too, of just you know? like at a certain point, can't the nomcom just put an MC5, knowing that they're always going to shoot the bed? <laughs> <in> the <voting laughs> they're going to get voted by you know every I mean? member of. they help create a genre. Yeah, Craftwork, Craftwork could be yeah. could yeah. be considered an early influence. I mean, and Craftwork. Just, just pop them in. Do it. You know, all things to be discussed, I'm sure. Induct the divas as well. Just while you're at it, also induct the divas. Put them all in. 
Listen, I think the good thing is there's a great team involved, and these are all just you know all these kind of discussions will happen, and there's it's, an openness to you know move this forward and keep it contemporary, but also make sure that we find that you don't forget about the yes. you recognize the past. Yeah, yeah. agreed. That warms my heart. Truly. Well, it's just nice to know that somebody's listening. <laughs> Listen, all these yeah. things are things that are, you know, those things are always discussed. And so how do you... That's great. You can't do everything. And Obviously. it's a, it's always a, a challenge to try to serve a lot of masters. And I think we do a great job of how we do it. And it can all, it's anything like this, it can always be better. I am, and I think I'm everybody acknowledges everybody year's... acknowledges that that it can yeah, it can, right. it's, yeah. we're it, it's moving in, all in the right direction. It can always be better, and there will always be an effort made to make it better. I'm excited for this year's ceremony. Me too. I wish we, that Pat was coming to, on you're, it. You coming to Cleveland? We're yeah. definitely going to come come to Cleveland. Right. It's great in Cleveland. Calendar. I'm telling you, it's it's. I'm I, I, I have a lot more fun in Cleveland. No disrespect to Cleveland at all, but there's not quite as much. There's not yeah, quite as many people distractions aren't as there are in New York. In New York, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, yeah. you know, everybody. The hotel that we stay at is across, across from the venue. People, everybody staying there. You basically see the same people for three days. Uh-huh. Um, you go to get to go to the museum, which is great because a lot of people don't get that, that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Indians are home. You can catch a game. I don't think the, I don't think the Cavs will be in the playoffs, so there won't be much. Won't be any basketball to be seen then. Right. Yeah. But it's great, and the city truly embraces it. I love it in New York too. It's just a different. It's, it's yeah. They're different. They're both equally great in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll see you there. Yeah. If you need uh, any seat fillers, just down on the floor, <laughs> you let us know. We're very welcome. We're open. I have some nice dresses. I'm willing to dress up. <laughs> well, Rick, thank you so much for being a part of this and taking the time out of your schedule to be a guest on this show. It's my pleasure. And I love I love talking about ear. it, even the things I can't talk about. Thank yes. God. Yes. <laughs> uh, is there anything you would like to plug or your social media or anything like that? No, watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on yeah. HBO on May, on, on, on May on May second. Live our show live on HBO. To. <laughs> Uh, well, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock Hall Pod. You can email us rockhallpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want Kristen to see that, you're going to have to indicate that somewhere in your message. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars only if you're leaving a review because of this episode. you got to say Induct the Divas. Say, why don't you say Induct the Divas? let's bring it back. Yeah, old school. I thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Yusuf Kim for the music. Thank you to Joy Devine for the equipment. Thank you to Chad Briggs and Dave Schilling for letting us record in the home that I share with them. And thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Pozzola. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the Rock Hall? Watch It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 